Hi, and welcome to this week's VFX show. I'm Mike Seymour, and we are going back into the pool, the Deadpool, Deadpool 2. Probably not the most imaginative name for a highly imaginative film, but uh, joining me in the uh, in the in the bar, I was going to say, um, is Matt Wallen. How are you, Matt? Uh, excellent. And Jason Diamond. How are you, sir? Stellar. So just a quick word, I might have to step off early and if I do, uh, Matt will take us with Jason through to the finish line uh, just because I have uh, been recovering from uh, some uh, back issues. But if not, um, I'll be with you to the end. So I guess the first thing to say is, uh, did we like this film as much as the first one? I presume, Jason, we liked the first one quite a lot. Did we like this one as much? How did it stack up in the sequel area? Uh, mm, I think it was a little, I feel like I'm going to be Matt Wallen on this episode. Uh, it was a little, uh, it, it was okay. I mean, I liked it. It was, I'm not sure where you could go from the first one necessarily, but I, I liked the first one. I thought it was entertaining and, uh, and like a fun take on the whole superhero thing. This one just felt like they beat a lot of jokes into the ground. Although the <laughs> prison, prison wallet joke was my favorite joke. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it was enjoyable. I, I, it's not a bad movie. I just, uh, I don't know what I was expecting uh, coming off the first one, which I thought was was super fun. Uh, Matt, Whatever well, yeah. So, so like, uh, I saw the the first one, uh, which I, I guess we probably did a show on it, if memory serves. But um, and I'll be honest, I I wasn't even really that interested in seeing this one. Like, I mean, I liked the first one; it was fun and. But I wasn't that interested in seeing it. But my my son, who's uh, he's fourteen, and so like him and all his like buddies who they're just finishing middle school, like in a like in a week, and they were so they must amped. Be the target audience, right? Oh my yeah. god! Like they're so pumped and so amped to go see this. And so I took my son and uh, one of his buddies, and we just went and saw it one afternoon. And I just was like, well, okay, whatever, I'll watch it. And um. And uh, I actually really liked it. I, I liked it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be the Matt Wallen too, or maybe I'll be the Jason <laughs> Diamond here. Um, I actually liked it better than the first one. I actually thought it was more fun. I thought it was funnier. I thought it was even, it felt more irreverent. And I liked um, the way the story unfolded. I liked the uh, Cable character a lot. I thought he was great. And then the, um, I can't remember the name of the, his his uh, his band of uh you know, X-Force. Um, the X-Force. X-Force. I mean, that, that just for me, that was so much fun and so funny and such a great kind of a spoof riff on, you know, uh, what we were just talking about, I guess in the, was it the last show talking about, uh, infinity war. It seems like such a play on that, like the whole team building and like, you know, each of these, uh, characters in that opening sequence with, uh, with the team, I thought was just so brilliant. I actually, I, so I enjoyed this one more, I think than the first one, it felt like it had a bigger budget and, and, uh, certainly a much, a more rich, uh, and, you know, diverse cast and stuff. And so I, I, I really did. The only thing I'd say is I did like this film a lot. I actually thought there were things in the first film, especially that opening sequence with the frozen, uh, you know, it tracked through the shot that then played out yeah. later. That meant that I felt like there was a difference in the directorial approach. It felt like the first film really benefited from the work that um, was done directorially. I agree that it felt like it had a smaller budget in a sense um, and, mm-hmm. and like the first one sort of suffered a little bit from that, whereas the second one was kind of playing on it where you knew they actually did have the budget, right? Like, uh, I mean, Tim Different Miller's first too. one, 
Yeah, but I'm saying Tim Miller's first one like felt like while they didn't have the money, there was incredibly inventive graphic designy kind of somebody that's coming at this that had Tim's background, which was in you know yeah. uh, both film, cinematics, uh, gaming, like that just all felt like it was that DNA. Um, whereas this time round, it didn't feel like the same sort of directorial stuff. And uh, while I think the visual effects are spectacularly good and Dan Glass did a really, really good job and I, I think the sort of visual effects are spectacular, the visual effects were just telling a slightly less graphic story. So that opening sequence where the, uh, the car was flipping and it was all frozen and as it was coming out, it was giving the really um, uh, irreverent titles for all the people that, you know, in the show, yeah. like, you know, the, <laughs> and it's up, like, I think that was such a breath of fresh air when it happened last time. Now, obviously you couldn't repeat that and be fresh because obviously that's the definition of being stale. But having said that, when I saw it the first time, I thought, wow, like, like Tim Miller's totally nailed this and his VFX background is showing through. This time, I think Dan Glass as the visual effects supervisor, obviously not the director, did a really, really good job but there was there wasn't a couple of scenes that I were sort of pointed to and said, "Wow, from a visual effects point of view, that's an inspirational bit of script stuff that they're now bringing yeah. to life." Like the, the the big crash, which we'll get into it, the chase and stuff, felt like a big crash that I'd expect. Well executed, but not uh, breathtaking. The original thing to do to have a chase sequence that goes around downtown with cars flipping and stuff like you know, and jumping out of planes and doing a um, halo jump again. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. It was like totally well executed, but we've, you know, seen halo jumps before and, and that kind of thing before. So I didn't have a scene in this that I was like, oh my God, that's genius. Yeah. Um, that being said, I would not criticize the visual effects as being inferior. Just, you know, like for example, the tiny legs was really well executed, um, but we'd seen the, the small hand in the first one, which was just mm-hmm. so bizarre. Um, so great execution, but it wasn't like I was like, oh, we've never seen anything like that before. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's totally true, and and you know, it's it's definitely not a movie that uh, I don't think they were, to my memory anyway, I don't think they were any like bad visual effects in the film. But yeah, there's nothing um, in it that, at least f- from my perspective, that I felt like was, you know, breaking new ground. Right. It yeah. all felt like, and it was more about like you know, it's it's a property, it's um you know, a particular character and a, and a genre, sort of a spoof kind of tongue in cheek, um, kind of story. And, you know, it's really just about, about the characters and about the narrative and, and about the jokes, you know, I mean, it's really, essentially it's a, it's a comedy, it's right? A comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they did do some visually new ground, like the section where he's going to, I'm going to call it the afterlife, um, or the, uh, purgatory or whatever it is where his girlfriend is. Um, that felt, like it was coming from a graphic novel and it felt, you know, like a pretty graphic yeah, like scene. That section. So I liked it as well. And and I sort of almost hankered for more of that. It was like, give me some stuff that isn't so much that I the visual effects of, you know, doing a digital human that we've never seen before or, you know, something that's like um a, an Academy Award original breakthrough like Dinosaurs were for Jurassic Park. But I want a graphic kind of design of those visual effects that's very uh, fresh and an original take, and that's increasingly hard. And I was so impressed when Tim Miller did it the first time, and so disappointed when I heard he wasn't going to be on this one because of that fact. Because of his, you know, like I, both directorially and design-wise, just felt like yeah. such a great influence to the success of the first film. Well, we'll see how he does on Terminator. That's his that's where he went. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I to Matt's point about seeing any visual effects that were bad, I mean, I'm not going to... I mean, spoiler, we're going to talk about the movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, although, although I do... I did really like uh, the, Australia, the New Zealand kid, Russell, from Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. Uh, he was amazing. He was good, wasn't he? But, uh, I mean, as you know, to get to get a nice, timey, good-timed, you know, comedic performance out of a kid is always hard. That kid clearly is a natural. Uh, but, uh, Ricky Baker. Yeah, Baker. <laughs> Maybe, honestly, after Ragnarok, don't you feel like, and then the terrific job with updating Thor in that film, don't yeah. you feel like if you're going for comedy right now, you'd be like, hey, where are those uh, Flight of the Concord guys? Like, give me anyone from New Zealand that's a comic that hasn't exactly. been a major feature. I'm sticking <laughs> yeah. with my next film. Yeah. Taika, you must know somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Ricky, come on over here. But uh, interestingly, I felt, I'll just start with some things I didn't like just because just sure. they're top of mind. But um, I felt like there were some physics, you know, uh, body character animation issues where with some, with some jumps and falls and things like that. Like when 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 the guy hit the billboard, I think it was when he came down, somebody hit a billboard or did something mm-hmm. uh, from the parachute when they did the jump and each member of the X-Force died in a different way, which I, which actually was hilarious. But there were some weird animation issues where people would, you know, hit and you could, I don't know if you could see the animation, but the physics were a little jumpy. Uh, there were some on Deadpool a few times. I can't remember where, although his animation, cause he's at least his face is or head is completely animated half the time. Right. Well, it's, uh, it's not, yeah, it's not all the time, but yes, there is obviously face stuff done with his, um, to read his expressions under his mask, which by the way, yeah is the only visual effects house that returned from the first film is Weta doing that face work. All the other yeah. houses were that did the first one. And as an aside, doesn't that ring true to you guys from the industry? It's like, hey, help us out on this one. We've got no budget because, you know, we think it could be huge. And on right. the next one, the next one comes out huge. <laughs> I open up the floodgates. Yeah, none of you are coming back. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's tough. I mean, well, so my other big... The biggest VFX issue for me was Juggernaut. He felt uh, like an right. animated. He felt like a big animated guy to me. Well, uh, he's like he's like Hulk or like a Hulk Buster, you know. Like it's the yeah, same. Yeah, but he's just a big dude, though. He's yeah. just a big guy with a cement head. So <laughs> he he just he just I think could have looked a little more real or, but I mean, it is, they are go, I mean, maybe that's just a stylistic choice. They are, it is a, they are, they try to make it like a very comic booky, you know, comic book movie, right? It's not like infinity war or, or stuff like that, where they're trying to make you think this is happening, happening in an alternate universe. Deadpool is way over the top. So it's possible that they were, they wanted a cartoony look. But like, yeah, know, I mean, uh, it's that criticism that they have, isn't it? That if it doesn't look like the comic book, the flan- fans go, "You didn't say true to the original." Oh, he looked if you like, make it, look like it. It was the a comic style, book, stupid. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to look like you know, like The Rock, you know, like a real but, guy. But he's but, been in an earlier X Men film, hasn't he? I'm, I seem to remember there was a Juggernaut um, that was yeah, much he more was in, normal. He was looking. in with Sabretooth, right? And Wolverine, they, they never made one, one that movies. looked. If memory serves, they, they've never done a, a juggernaut character that had the the scale and proportions that this, this had guy the right had. scale. Yeah, this had the other yeah. one was just a dude in a, in like a costume. Yeah. This guy had the right scale. It just like 
I know it's not a glossy world, but I like I didn't feel like his skin had like moisture in it. You know what I mean? Like it right. just it felt a little just like, oh, that's a cool animated dude, which I'm totally fine right. with because he was funny and he and he did his part. But from a critical standpoint, you know, they go, you have Colossus, who I Colossus is always I think I said this last time, has always been one of my favorite X-Men. But his face, the animation on his face to me was a little mushy because he's super hard and like the mouth animation seemed a little off to me, not in sync, but just like, I maybe I'm just like used to see, like if you look at Thanos and then you look at Colossus, there's, there's not a, there's not a, uh, uh, they're not that close. Well, uh, Colossus the first time good. around was done by, um, by digital domain and and they didn't do it this time. And you're you're actually not the first. Some friends of mine who are really good visual face experts thought that Colossus was not as well executed in this film as it was in the first one. Um, oh, I feel validated. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm just backing you up. I guess. No, no. I'm um, I'm being I'm not being facetious at all. I, I that's awesome. <laughs> um, and I think I'm going to say it was Frame Store this time around. I have to check that. But, I mean, he um, looked good. Like you know, he had the proper lines on his body, and he, there was dings and dents in his in his chrome. He wasn't like super, you know, T one thousand. He he looked great. Uh, there was it was just the animation on his face for some reason. Yeah, yeah, he was actually slightly different in the face, and it was definitely a different approach than they used last time. Um, and so you know, you get to those kind of issues. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, Framesaw that did the facial animation. Um, yeah, I mean, look, facial animation—it's like one of the hardest things in the world. But um, I don't think overall he was bad in this film. But I no, do not agree with you. I do agree with you that I don't think certainly I would agree that we didn't advance him <laughs> in this film. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I think yeah, digital domain is doing really good, good face work. Yeah. Like I said, the character looked good. It was only the fan facial animation that that bothered me. Yes, the yes. the body animation, the the physics of them were, were great. Yeah, I mean they do have this problem that was identified by DD the first time round, which was you want to keep all the lines parallel, um, which is kind mm -hmm. of like a difficult problem because uh, you know he just doesn't yeah. respond to that. Uh, and they did a totally different way of doing that last time in terms of the textual procedural work about doing the 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 lines, as it were, uh, in his face. Um, now, of course, the underlying tech was different because it was using the MOVA direct drive system, um, which is proprietary to uh, to DD. But just in terms of like the actual way he was built, he was slightly different this time around. Um, in his neck in particular, I felt. Like I think in the first time around, uh, his neck wasn't articulated the way it was this time. Hmm. And I have to say that from my own research, if you change like ears, hair or neck in relationship to the face, that sometimes you think the face is wrong when it's actually these other things mm. that make you think that they're kind of wrong. If you know what I mean, we're very bad at, um, at being able to see a face and identify what's the actual issue that's wrong with it. We think we're good at it, but we're not. Um, mm. I thought the patina in the first one was really nice as well. <clears throat> it was like a really, you know, sort of good uh, look to the steel. And um, if you remember, it had a kind of a, this patina, this kind of like darkening, this sort mm -hmm. of uh, uh, property to it and the way it was textured that was very subtle. Um, it was all done in V-Ray first time around. 
And this time I thought that, that Frame Stores one was a little more sort of shinier, chromier. Um, yeah. It had a real like T, T1000 kind mm. of uh, look to it at times, I think. And the facial animation too even kind of had a little bit of that going on. If I hadn't seen the the uh, digital domain one, I'd like this one. But <laughs> having seen the digital domain one, I'm sure, thinking, no, that makes sense. Yeah, um, but yeah, Dneg of course was the main visual effects house on this. Uh, Method also contributed. Method picked up stuff that both, like in other words, the frame source stuff did Colossus and um, yeah. and Juggernaut, and Dneg did most of the visual effects. But when either of those companies wanted a hand, they used Method. So. Um, and I think Method did the, uh, which I've got to say is one of my favorite scenes, the opening uh, working nine to five scene. That and was I think awesome. I love it so much because of the <laughs> genius music. <laughs> yeah. Just so, yeah. so incongruous. But that was uh, just all them. But like, for example, that jump, the, the uh, halo jump and all that stuff, the chase with the, when they land after the halo jump, the tiny legs, all of that is, uh, is Deneg. And uh, of course, they also did Cable and his uh, prosthetics. By the way, how much did you just love that joke, Matt, in the um, trailer that came out before this film when they actually parked on a frame that had a green screen glove on the actor oh, yeah. playing <laughs> Cable? And he goes, what? We can't, we can't afford this? Come on. It's yeah, not like yeah. we're trying to do a mustache. <laughs> well, what a great, like, I mean, you know, if you think about, uh, I mean, for all the, you know, everybody who's ever worked in uh, visual effects on a big movie, and when those trailer deadlines are approaching, the the cramming that goes on to try to get, you know, this yeah. shot and that shot and, you know, try to achieve the, you know, oh, well, it's kind of a temp, but it's got to look good enough for the trailer. It's got to look good for the Comic-Con reel or whatever it is. And uh, to have a movie like this that, you know, is such a... It's a it's a spoof on you know the industry. It's a spoof on these kind of movies. It's a spoof on mm-hmm. you know potentially even a spoof on visual effects. Although they 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 go only so far maybe with that. But uh, to use that well, in d- the and context definitely a spoof of the trailer, on Justice League and Superman's mustache. Oh, totally. Yeah, and yeah. and that's and that stuff is so much fun. And I mean, yeah. I I think it's and I think audiences really like that too. You know, I mean, it's it's definitely. Um, because audiences are so much smarter about just the whole process of filmmaking, yeah. I think. And don't you feel like well, it's the- like? Oh, I was going to say, don't you feel like it, you're in on the joke? It's like they are acknowledging that you know stuff, mm-hmm. and we're not going to spoon yeah. feed you. We're basically saying, "Hey, you guys know that this is how it works, and I'm going to give you the benefit or the credit that you get this and understand filmmaking. Hence, this totally. joke's going to land." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think that judgment? stuff's great. Jason, mm-hmm. I cut you off. What was that? Oh, uh, I forgot. I think it wasn't important anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't remember, it's not important, right? That's so let's true. talk about Cable. How did we think Cable stacked up given that there was this, uh, away from the trailer, <laughs> uh, replacement of the green uh, glove and green arm? Or actually, it wasn't a green arm. It was actually a uh, motion tracking arm with uh, the, um, the sort of uh, cybernetic arm. Uh, uh, extension. I mean, Jason, did you think at any time that the, I, I thought the arm was like really well executed. It felt like yeah. it was attached to him. It felt real. Good shaders. Yeah. Like in the movies when he said, in the movie, when Deadpool says the guy with the winter soldier arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I thought I, I've like, I like cable in the comics, uh, but, but I liked just from a story beat first, I liked that they didn't give you any information about him really. I mean, right? You don't get yeah. like a huge backstory on him. You know, he's a basically Terminator. 
He's coming from the future, you know, or Looper, actually more appropriate. He's coming from the future back to kill the, you know, you know, the bad guy when he's yep. a kid. And uh, yeah, and they're referencing the the graphic novel in terms of the virus that the graphic novels have described that caused him to have that sort of growing into his neck. The, right. So definitely, the design team were like informed on that backstory hmm. um this is how it's working we want it to look like this blah 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 but you're right they didn't say to the audience wait huge amount of exposition you need to yeah. know how he got like this or why yeah and so you just uh, which i thought informed the his design and his vfx because uh um because you don't know you don't have to you know they can be more creative and and more you know land it more uh in the visual effects so they don't have to reference some nonsense that happened that you didn't need to know about. Um, but, uh, yeah, I liked, I thought the, the, I liked the eye was nice and subtle and it, like, it wasn't there all the time, oddly, or maybe I just didn't notice it cause it was just sat in there really nicely. Mm. Um, but yeah, I loved the, I loved the stuff, the cables down his neck and the arm, everything just felt like that, that stuff sat in there. Like you, it felt like it was growing into his skin uh, you know, because he's a pretty buff dude these days, Josh Brolin. Uh, and I do like the Thanos joke that. Uh, well, yeah, because I mean, I mean, like, if you're gonna say it, you got the you got the same guy in those two two big movies. You know, I think I said before, like, I want to be if I'm in the industry right now, I want Josh Brolin's agent. Anyone that's yeah. giving me these kind of roles, yeah. <laughs> um, but Matt, I was gonna say uh, the neck stuff was a prosthetic. It was actually put on. Um, with like a rubberized, effectively, uh, thing that sat on his neck. The arm, oh, of course, good. wasn't. It was completely mm-hmm. just a uh, tracking sleeve um, that was going to be Great. fully replaced. Um, I think that was an intelligent decision because they nearly always, when they wear something on set, it gets replaced anyway because of a design change. But mm-hmm. do you think it's a, I mean, does it, how much of an extra challenge is there, I guess, if you've got to merge your digital stuff to look like the stuff on the neck? Do you feel like that's like helpful or? Because obviously it's going to dictate you can't have those two materials looking different no matter what the lighting setup is. Um, yeah, I mean, I I would think most of the time, although they there is like a like if there's sort of like a a scap uh, or sorry, a, not scapula but a clavicle kind of piece uh, that goes across above his uh, shoulder, and so yeah. there is kind of a, a potential area where they could have some separation in the event that they wanted to utilize some of what was there practically. But I would tend to think, and now I don't, I don't know this, but I would tend to think that most of the time you'd probably just replace the whole thing. No, like they if didn't. you've gone, no, they didn't. They, they, oh, they kept it. No, in fact, yeah, we spoke to Dan Glass about this, and it's in the article on FX Guide. Oh. We've got some before and after shots of what what they shot and what they replaced. And if you look at them really closely. Um, there's a little bit of enhancement with the specular highlights on the, mm-hmm. um, but generally speaking, no, they were keeping the prosthetics. Um, interestingly, oh, Dan said cool. the reason, one of the reasons <laughs> they didn't want to put this stuff on the arm, obviously the obvious thing is they were going to replace it anyway. So why have more to paint out? But the second thing he pointed out, which I thought was really uh, a bright thing was, um, you know, we get Josh on set a whole lot faster in the morning so we can shoot more stuff because he doesn't have to mm-hmm. sit in makeup for hours getting the arm attached. Um, uh, you know, very pragmatic reason to not have uh, something on set. But yeah, 
And it's I mean, great. It's, I mean, I think in the end, it's it's really successful. Like, I mean, I think as a character, he totally works. Like, he's uh, sort of the straight man, you know, to the comic relief that is the rest of the the movie. He's sort of the straight man to the all the jokes. Um, and I think uh, you know, he's he has the appropriate kind of menace uh, for the period of time anyway that he's essentially the bad guy uh and uh isn't he more, yeah isn't he closer to warmonger or whatever his name is killmonger where his his or maybe even thanos to a certain extent oddly where his he's not out to kill everyone he just wants to kill russell but if people get in his way he'll do it you know what i mean so well, yeah, he's, he's a like, villain. He's a villain who has like a, there's something, purpose. you know, yeah. yeah, there's a purpose to his, his uh, madness or a method to his madness. Yeah. He's not just the hobgoblin going crazy or whatever. Green goblin. Yeah. I think we've said in the past, you can do that. Like in a very successful film, like uh, dark Knight, have somebody that just wants to burn it all right. down. But normally I think it's much better when that, uh, that person is somebody that, uh, you know, just generally we feel like, there's a motivation for it. You know, like he's not just killing people arbitrarily. Yeah. Um, so the favorite character of mine, which I didn't expect going into the film and she isn't like doing huge amounts of, um, uh, visual effects. So she's obviously in the, the jump sequence, uh, is uh, like Domino. It's Domino, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. yeah she yeah. is she the was, coolest. She's the best part of the movie for sure. She is great, isn't she? It's not yeah. just me that thinks that. Okay, good. No, yeah, yeah she she's awesome. awesome. She should have her own her own movie. She's like so charismatic and fun to watch. Yeah, I thought she was really good. Um, and just like added interesting stuff to the plot, right? Because, you know. Well, I think it also gave an opportunity for some interesting visual effects too. Like the whole thing about like the the gag between the two of them where she's like, well, what's your superpower? And she's just like, I'm just really lucky. You know, and he's like, that's not a power. Mm -hmm. But then <laughs> like you start to see like, oh, it, that really is a power. Like, because she is crazy lucky. Like everything that could go her way goes her way. And so when she's you know, after she lands and she remains, she's sort of the only survivor who comes out unscathed in the uh you know, the, the drop from the, uh, the cargo plane or whatever. And she, uh, you know, is in pursuit. Um, and she winds up, you know, going through all kinds of, uh, havoc in terms of like the, you know, cars crashing on the street and things flipping over her and the guy who pulls a gun on her. And when he pulls the trigger, like it doesn't, um, it doesn't fire, you know, <laughs> it's like everything that could go her way goes her way. And that actually, I think, it subverts all audience expectations of what you come to see or expect in an action movie or in an action sequence. And I think that that was actually an interesting opportunity for, you know, plot driven visual effects that tell you a lot about the character and that were sort of unusual because you, you know, you're, so you're, Oh, so she's going to walk through this essentially unscathed, you know, and that was kind of cool. Well, plus Matt, I think that you you're always feel like your wish. Really? Oh, Oh, really? Uh, yeah, X-Force is uh, being directed by Drew Goddard and written by Drew Goddard. And uh, Domino is in it. And the and the logline is, a time traveler assembles a team of mutants in order to prevent the wrecked future he came from, which is basically Deadpool <laughs> 2. Hang on, where, where are you getting this from? IMDb. Right. And it's hmm. been updated in the last decade? 
Yeah, it says production announced. Production status. Wow. Okay. But I'm sure is that it's a, is that a fox then? Is it 20th Century Fox? Uh, yeah, it would have to be, no? They own yeah. they must own X Force, I guess. But isn't that like an extraordinarily hard ask to now have an audience accept an X Force film when A, we've mocked X Force and B, we killed most of the members of X Force and C like Well, there's other like, members, but but I think the bigger deal is in this, I mean, it's basically Deadpool three, sort of. I was going to say because if Deadpool's in it, he's going to he is. Well, it, he's listed as being in it. So, so this is going to be an cable still to trying his... to. I guess cable still trying to kill Russell. What? I mean, it, that's just what it says on IMDb. So let's just wait. I mean, and see I think that. it was crazy that they called this film Deadpool two, right? I mean, for a film that's incredibly witty and original, it seemed really odd that they only called it Deadpool two. Like you couldn't get any better with a title than that. Um, so maybe instead of calling it Deadpool 3, they're calling it X-Force. Hmm. And no, because there's that. also a Deadpool 3 set up on uh, IMDb. But again, that doesn't mean it's tr- real necessarily. But Don't, we, don't yeah. we feel a little bit, I feel a little bit manipulated by that, I must say. Well, I, I mean, like, look, let's wait, let's wait till the actual trailer comes out and we know okay. what the movie's about. I'm just reading IMDb. I don't want to start a whole uh, role here. Because we'll get rat hole deep on speculation, but okay. Um, well, I mean, I guess he did at the end of the film. Hyper spoilers. Uh, bring everyone back from the dead, right? So, yeah. uh, oh, right, right, right. Everybody he, didn't die. He basically did uh, what Doctor Strange should have done in <laughs> whatever. Infinity time, War. These time stones, yeah. These time stones are uh, are. Floating around, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, anyway, so, leaving that aside for a sec, um, <laughs> um, how did we feel about the most shocking scene in the entire film? The scene that <laughs> I just didn't need to see, the scene that I can't get out of my head in any good sense, uh, the basic instinct scene <laughs> from the sofa. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's funny. It's like you know, it's a it's a sort of a, a building on the. Um, so I just I forgive me. Uh, what is Deadpool's power? Is it that he can't be killed? Yeah, regeneration. Yeah, okay. though, though there's a slight flaw here in that every time he regenerates, he seems to regenerate with the scars from a previous incident. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah. DNA so memory. That, yeah, it feels a bit like now he has these beautiful legs. And he has should have one beautiful hand if he wants to like right. get the rest of his body back. Just keep on knocking bits off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when his head aside, did come clean off at the beginning of the movie too, <laughs> yeah. didn't it? But I mean, if you if you're worried about the side of your cheek having you know like kind of the what is it like an avocado having sex with another dead avocado, avocado? Yeah. Then just cut your cheek off, and then it'll come back looking all nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think that scene is is so funny, and it you know it works in the context of you know that character it's a it's play on the uh what happened in the previous movie with his arm but i i mean and it, it it's funny to see it but it's so like the um wrong in your it's so wrong and so <laughs> physically wrong you know like it's because he's he looks like um there's the on on your article mike on on the fx guide yep. site there's the the uh concept art and yeah. he looks like uh, like Beavis or Butthead, you know, like in terms of <laughs> oh, yeah. his pro- 
his proportions of his body. Uh, and then these tiny sort of, you know, young child legs. And um, it, <laughs> like- So one of the Dean Egg supervisors, Mike, had a young son and he used <laughs> his young son for the legs. But yeah. They were very careful in the article to point out he only used it for the legs up until the point <laughs> that it would have been inappropriate to use his son as reference. But how do you, how do you grow up as a teenager if your legs are on- Deadpool in a naked <laughs> basic Well, I have a different thing. question. Just, is when Deadpool gets cut in half, yep. does the top half grow new legs and the bottom half grows a new bo- top body or just it only is from one part? Like this is this is one of life's great unanswered, <laughs> uh, you know, questions. Yeah. I feel like it's Glass right up there with or, it. Uh, half a very empty, existential yeah. kind of notion of like how much yeah. your body is you and what part of you is your body and are you contained in the mind or are you actually embodied fully? Which gets us back to last week's point about existential philosophy and um, we don't want to go yeah. there again. <laughs> but um, the thing is uh, that is a, a truly upsetting scene and I think in every Deadpool there's a couple of jokes that I feel like for me, as a guy my age, I feel like they went too far and I'm sure, mm-hmm. Matt, for your son, they hardly went far enough. But like there's always a couple of gags and I'm like, I just didn't need that gag. That's like either gross, inappropriate or just offensive. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the for, definition of for like 14-year-old teenage boys, like I think it's, it's endlessly just it, the irreverence and the sort of um, snarky sarcasm and stuff I think is just endlessly delightful. Like, I don't think it could ever go too far, but I, 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 I would say that, um, there was nothing in this movie that went as far just for my, for my money as the, uh, the final, uh, scene in that first Kingsman movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I, I said yeah. that last time. Hang on. Wait, are we talking about the heads exploding or the, no. I'll take it up the. Yeah. Both, I guess I would say. I was okay. thinking of no. The I ladder, like the heads but... exploding was great, but the line was a bit much. The yeah, line the was line, a bit much. The yeah. line was the thing I was thinking of. Actually, yeah. I don't even think you'd get that line through in the current uh, climate because it's actually it's quite a yeah. It's it, like it's offensive in the sort of context of language, but it's offensive actually in terms of the sexual politics of uh, you know what you have to do. Um, in yeah. that relationship. I don't think that well, would be I actually thought funny. too that like this Deadpool, like the relationship with his girlfriend or whatever, and the sort of um the the language between the two of them, I felt like it was toned down compared to at least what yeah. I remember in the first Deadpool, which I think was more um <laughs> I sound like I'm like, oh the vapors or something. But like it, it seems <laughs> no, like no, there, it's there, there it was a, like it's, there was a gag in that in that first it's one, it's less that I was racy than the first one, you know. Yeah, in yeah. a way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And maybe that's but, a result too of the sort of shifting, sort of you know, awarenesses and uh, sensitivities and stuff, which is, I think, a positive uh, development. And again, yeah, not trying but, to sound like the old white guy, but don't you think the Brad Pitt joke is like a funnier joke than just an anal sex joke? Do you know what I mean? Like it's like yes. that. That was well done with the mm-hmm. parachute coming down with no one mm-hmm. in it and then he like dies and you see him like for, for a second. Like that's oh, funny so is stuff. That, that was Brad Pitt? Yeah. Didn't you oh, realize see, that? I, no. I, I, I kind I of saw that. that. It was so fast. It was so quick that I didn't, it didn't register. I was like, oh, who? So is that, is that somebody I'm supposed to recognize? And the Did you not recognize Matt Damon either? Wait, which one was Matt Damon? So, you know, when uh, Cable appears and there are two guys sitting on the back of the ute talking, Oh, uh, yeah. 
rednecks? You didn't think that they were on screen for a slightly oddly long amount of time? No, I didn't. I didn't pick I that know, up. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Didn't draw my attention. Oh, okay. Like to well. look at them. <laughs> It wasn't as good as the cameo in Ragnarok where they had um, the oh, reenactment yeah, the of Thor, and uh, <laughs> which was, I think, genius, which was another um, uh, one of his cameos. But, yeah, no, that was um, hmm. Matt Damon's cameo in this one. <laughs> well, see, now I'll just have to watch it again when it comes out on... on You're probably just uh, laughing too hard. Cable. But, yes, I thought the Brad Pitt, the, the invisible guy, like walking in the room and you can't see him and then when they're jumping out of the plane, the parachute can be seen in the back of shot and then he just gets shorted out. When um, I love the character too who's like, I can't remember what the name of the character was, but he's sort of like the the manga, the with, like alien superhero. The one with no superpower? No, it's the guy, oh, does he have no, he's just superior, he says. And he's got oh, the like swooping guy, yeah. kind of like manga hair. Oh yeah, hair star, and, star crawler or something like that <laughs> yeah and he says he's, he's an alien and he's superior in every way and he comes down and he there's a helicopter like you know prepping for takeoff or whatever yeah. and he goes into the blade and his uh, ponytail lands on the uh, yeah. and it, his whole thing too like the way that he um as he was falling the way he posed as he was falling he looked like some uh you know Takashi Murakami sculpture kind of thing, and then they Is just that, sort of was that Shatterstar or something, or something like was that with the oh, other yeah, guy that went into Star. the Star? Right, I like yeah. the guy that went into the uh, wood chopper. I thought he was a stereo. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then what was it? Was it Peter? It was just the regular guy yeah. who just thought it, it sounded awesome. like fun. Yeah. You know. No, I, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I tell you something. I don't know. This is completely nothing to do with visual effects, but you know that there was a whole blow up with um, uh, T.J. Miller and stuff that he wrote and said and that had they had an opportunity they said they would have removed him from the film and he won't be coming back he's completely um i mean i thought he was very funny in the first one um and as a character but his behavior offset uh like he's obviously now out of silicon valley and he's going to be out of um talk about you know shooting your career in the foot or actually shooting your career in the head he's um yeah he's completely uh persona non grata now and was it like I I haven't followed any of that? Was it just some sort of like harassment issue or like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll let you Google the the ins and outs, and yeah. I certainly don't want to uh, be lifeless. Well, yeah, I mean, but right, his um, yeah, no, he's uh, he is completely um, uh, you know, from from what it's I really know, too in the bad. Press, like, I mean, I in uh, that first um, season of Silicon Valley, I mean, he's like the. the the delightful, most fun uh, thing to watch in that show. He's just so funny. That's too bad. Yeah, he was good. And he in Ready was Player just one, in. Uh, yeah, he was just in Ready Player One. Yeah, that stinks. Yeah, I mean the the allegations, and I say that because it's someone should be innocent until proven yeah. guilty. Um, is of sexual abuse allegations, and um, and they, you know, they're quoted in the press, and I don't know if it's true because I didn't hear it firsthand. Uh, that. Um, that, yeah, they'd have removed him, but they were in the final edit when it happened, so they couldn't. Yeah, well, that's too bad. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And I, I do think it's I do think it's unfortunate. I think obviously it's unfortunate that whoever was harassed by him, if that was true, sure. uh, had that in the first place, right? Um, yeah. But, well, uh, just that, just that, like things would, you know, that uh, uh, if it were true, like I just said, an individual and that a situation would arise where things would like degrade uh, mm-hmm. to such an unprofessional level. You know, that's just, I mean, it's just really, it's sad. You know, it's, that's too bad. 
Yeah, but I mean, there's it, almost a visual effects industry growing up around getting rid of actors who have had allegations yeah. made against them and <laughs> yeah. not torpedoing the film. I think this film is probably more bulletproof to that than um, All the Money, I think it was, All the Money, um, where, you know, they did mm, a massive reshoot mm-hmm. um, because it was a serious drama and, you know, would have been yeah. completely um, unable to get past the controversy. I think, uh, uh, yeah. I think VFX guys on set should start wearing shirts that say, don't fuck around or we'll paint you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be marvelous if, you know, women on set didn't need have anyone making any comment about anything. Well, I, of course. Yeah. Speaking, That's a, yeah. Speaking yeah. on behalf of all of us, but, you know, like it's. You just, would think that would be implied, but unfortunately in this world, yeah. it's not. No, no. Um, but it's funny, isn't it? Because you've got a film here that's incredibly irreverent and these cracking jokes that are, you know, borderline, if not actually politically incorrect. Um, and so in that context, you've got, you know, the, the real life behavior of the individuals involved impacting, you know, obviously in ways that the character dialogue would, um, would also violate. So it's a, uh, I mean, I just wonder sometimes how much the, maybe this is too serious, but I wonder sometimes how much the comic value that you can get from cracking those politically incorrect jokes legitimizes the politically incorrect behavior. But anyway, I'm kind of going back up my own logic loop there. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. The, yeah. The um, chase sequence, we haven't really discussed it. it I, I said earlier it wasn't a particularly original thing to have a chase sequence, but it certainly was a pretty big budget, big um, part of the film, like this uh, this chase and releasing of uh, Juggernaut and everything else. Um, Matt, do you want to sort of walk us through what you thought of that? Like, I mean, he obviously comes right after that that parachute sequence, which we've kind of discussed, but we haven't really discussed the chase itself. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's through the streets of, I can't remember what city we're in. Are we in? It's Los it Angeles. looked like LA. I don't know Is if we are in LA, city, but it looked like yeah, LA. Yeah, I can't probably, remember, but I mean, probably Vancouver, yeah, and there's right? that, that sort of extended cab, uh, you know, uh, it's like a, a multi sort of articulated truck of some kind, right? That they have all these uh, uh, prisoners uh, oh, right, <laughs> inside yeah. of, right? And uh, including uh, uh, Ricky Baker uh, and the juggernaut. And um, although we don't know who that, I had no idea who that character was, like that he was uh, communicating with um, when they're in the juggernaut? vehicle. And then you've... Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. until he comes out. I you, it's sort of that was the reveal, right? Yeah, yeah. But I thought overall that whole chase I thought was really successful. I I think it was a it looked like a pretty broad mix of um, CG and practical. Like they were they were some obviously some stuff that was actually being shot um, on the location, and then we had uh, what's her name uh, Domino, right? Was on a motorbike mm-hmm. at one time uh, during the chase, and uh, made there was some great. Um, leaps i think she makes a huge leap and lands on the vehicle and doesn't uh the deadpool character tries to do something similar and they build it up to this big moment and he misses right if i'm not mistaken as he's trying to sort of land on the back of the vehicle um so it had all the same um you know and it was a it was a tight I, i felt like it was a pretty tight sequence like it i felt like i knew where i was i never really got lost um in any of the action um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really well done. Yeah. I liked when they, I, I thought it looked really nice when they, um, well, not in the action, but in the visuals when, uh, 
they pushed when the guys were getting ejected from the trucks. Yeah, yeah. Like had good speed, it had good good uh texture. You get that little orange flash and they kind of went swoop, and you know, sucked out mm-hmm. really fast. It wasn't this big clunky uh thing that it could have been. Um and it was I thought it was a good story point too, because you just start, you know, start making holes so you can see in the truck, getting rid of characters that you don't know or, or care about. Uh, uh and I think there's some exterior shots there at speed that felt, you know, nice and fast, uh intercutting in from inside to outside, like all the CG was super solid in the comp because you couldn't you didn't feel the difference. You know, sometimes you can feel like uh, the you know a vehicle that's CG when you're inside a real you know at least either a gimbal or a real car, well or like a big you know green screen or blue screen replacement yeah, yeah. like where you're on mm-hmm. the vehicle and you're on a stage or something and yeah. I didn't see anything like that that stood out. I thought you know there are definitely some sequence some parts of that sequence when they're inside the truck and you're seeing some of the stuff passing by outside where I'm assuming a lot of that was stage work. But it, I thought the comps were were pretty successful. It didn't have any of those things that we sometimes talk about, which is that, you know, what I think people always assume is the oh, it's so easy. It's the A over B, and it's the mm-hmm. get the reflections on the glass and like get that background dialed in and you know boost the uh, or reduce the contrast a little bit on that stuff and stick it in there, track it, you know, so it matches. But so often those shots are so are so rough. But they didn't have any of that stuff going on, which I thought was was good. So for everyone that was yelling at their podcast when I was going on about how I missed Tim for his visual effects graphic design, David Leach, who directed this, is an ex-stunt guy. And so the stunts in this section meant that the visual effects was more like rig removal, wire removal, and obviously, as you guys said, correctly comping outside the vehicle so it looked real, which I think they did a really good job. And like D-Neg, as you know, I hate the the out-the-window shot. It's normally like a total giveaway. (laughs) Yeah. and they just really nailed it. But I mean, uh, like everything from well, okay. Firstly, I really liked Atomic Blonde, which he directed. Yeah. But if oh, you go back yeah, before that, so good. he's done he's done stunt work on everything from Captain America and second unit work on that. Yeah. And John uh, Wick. Like, yeah, exactly. A ton of stuff. And and he's just a very very good stunt slash action director. So while I didn't get my kind of graphically designy kind of visual effects work. What I think we got instead was this spectacularly good stunt work in camera so that we didn't have a lot of digital doubles. And yes, you obviously don't risk the actors by having them going down a freeway and, um, and you comp the environment, but it kept it all you know, in the realm of real people doing real stuff uh, with the physics of the real world that made it all just sing. Like, like the criticism, I, I think I would have agreed with you over in the end sequence with Juggernaut with like some of the physics not being right. I didn't get any of that in the chase because I think most of the chase was done for real with real yeah. um, actors. And, you know, I think that's where his his sort of mark on the directing or his directorial mark on the film uh, is so strong. It's just like, you know, he can do a really good fight sequence and a really and, – and funny, right, the whole bullet – with the sword thing and he's like knocking it away. And then of course he has it mm-hmm. and he's got shot all the way up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Torso. <laughs> um, yeah. So it wasn't just, you know, like sometimes those sequences feel like, okay, I've got an action sequence when it's over. Um, we'll get back to the story and, you know, I'm just gonna let this play out. I often feel that in a bond film, like we're in a chase in a car and I'm like, okay, well, clearly this is going to play for the next five, 10 minutes. 
and then we'll get on back to the story. And I, I just didn't feel like that. So while I sort of criticizing him earlier, I'm going to beat myself up for saying <laughs> that and say, actually, I really applaud that sequence is not feeling like just a, a yeah. set piece. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a, a tiny bit of a rat hole, but for anybody who ever wants a, a great laugh, uh, go back and watch, I believe it's the opening sequence of, I want to say for your eyes only, where it's Roger Moore in a yellow jumpsuit uh, skiing down uh, the oh, Swiss right. Alps. Mm. And there, What's that? Nothing. It's it the poor man's inception. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, <laughs> no, is, no. it is, I watched it recently because my son and I were watching some of the old James Bond movies and, and like we were both like, laughing so hard at that sequence we were both almost crying because it's so like just shaky rear projection and roger moore doing his best uh acting you know like as a guy skiing down the slope so yeah it it had uh none of those issues <laughs> that's like the extreme yeah, well, opposite example well the director before he was a director when he was doing stunt work did stuff back on um a whole lot of the films that dan glass uh, the visual supervisor was mm-hmm. on, right? Because like uh, you go back to, well, maybe some of the less successful ones like Speed Racer, but before that, um, the Matrix Revolutions type stuff, he was doing stunts back then and Matrix Reloaded, it, you know, is a really good piece of action stuff. I know it didn't go as well uh, as the first one in terms of a sort of a critical acclaim, but like it's still really good work. And yeah. um, and I think it's really good when you have a director and a visual supervisor and uh, they known each other for years and they know, you know, where to pick up from that. Like the changeover seems really effortless. It doesn't seem like we'll fix it in post or you've stitched me up on set. It just felt like a really good, sensible set of decisions to get what they wanted done. Um, actually, I think the director on this actually, you'd probably know this, Jason, he, he's done some work like on something like Captain America or something like that or, or one, of the, um, one, one of the Marvel films anyway. So, um, yeah, so anyway. Huh. I'm not quite sure what he's up to next, but I bet you it's um, action-based. And uh, uh, Yeah, sure. I would imagine. Here, I can tell you. Let's see. Director, upcoming projects. Uh, a spinoff of The Fate of the Furious, focusing oh, yes, on yes. The Rock yeah. and Jason Satham's characters, which I would watch. Yeah, Dan Glass is on that with him, actually. Yep. Uh, and then The Division... That's the Black Tom Clancy on the yeah, video New York game. City bioterrorist modif- you know smallpox yeah poor New York god damn. yeah, yeah. Well, once what did again New York ever oh. do to anyone? well the screenplay is <laughs> written by Stephen Gagan which gives me hope maybe Pizza Rat will be he in wrote that Traffic one. and wrote and directed yep. Syriana so hmm. there's that uh, huh. uh, but yeah I mean listen all these all these um, all these, you know, uh, stunt coordinators and VFX supervisors, and you know, moving into directorial positions is only good. It's only good things, in my mind. Did, did you know the work of the DOP on this? You normally do. Was, um, oh, um, I'm blanking on his name, but he's, yeah, me he's too. done work. I was just on, looking um, to here. I think he was on Sorry. Atomic Blonde before with um, the director. But uh, yeah, yeah, he did. Jonathan Sella, uh, right? Yeah. Um, did you guys like Atomic Blonde? I thought it was remarkably I liked good. The it's the, I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was great. It was to, I, when I saw it, I thought, oh, that's the um, 
that's the black black We'd, widow black movie widow they should have made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. And uh, but of course, Charlize Theron, I think, as a as an actor, she is just like such a a powerhouse on on screen. I mean, she's just so incredible to watch. And I thought the uh, the action sequences, the fight sequences, the yeah, um, they were very the, real. Yeah, the brutality and the sort of um, the 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 blood and pain and sort of cracking of bone in that I thought was um, yeah, well gruesome was. Uh, was well, kind of interesting to see because it felt it felt fresh. It felt different. It was more than just like you know the punching the you know the meat in the meat locker kind of sound yeah. that you'd see in so many other action they also, movies. But they also played. You know, I, I don't mean to sound sexist, but in the movie they played it more real that a big giant Russian guy is going to be stronger than her, and yeah. so that you know just out of physicality, not out of yeah, yeah. anything Absolutely. else, and. And she had to fight differently than a male character or the rock or, you know, some, you know, big buff dude while still appearing strong and confident, which is hard. You know what I mean? I think it based on what people's, you know, mental library is of fight scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, I totally agree with you. Hey, um, they are, they are doing atomic blonde too, by the way. Oh, are they? Well, well, the um, DP also did transformers the last night. So, Clearly, no stranger to visual effects, and right. and John and John Wick, uh, and apparently I'm looking up here, Wrecking Ball with Marley Cyrus. So there's yeah, a thing. A, a good <laughs> um, day to die hard. Yeah. <laughs> what on set of of a Wrecking Ball was a good day to die young? Is that what you're saying? Sorry. No, that's uh, <laughs> Die Hard Four or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, we discussed uh, Rusty or Russell Collins, uh, yeah. Fire Fist, mm-hmm. uh, the worst name ever for a superhero, and. Um, we didn't discuss visual effects. So what do we think about his uh, white hot molten hand of whatever? Um, I mean, his visual effects was basically, you know, fairly dramatic in the present day and extraordinarily dramatic in the future. Um, it, it's an interesting problem because we've kind of seen this stuff many times before. Mm-hmm. Matt, how do you reckon they sort of went in d coming up with a sort of an inner white hot glow thing that would, sell it as a kind of an original I mean I dare think I say it, I th- it fire fist. Yeah, I mean I think it it works like it it looks cool like you know uh, it's you know I immediately you think of the um <laughs> the not so great uh, fantastic four movies and the human mm, torch yeah. or um even going back and just thinking of you know different um uh films that have uh digital uh, fire effects in them, right? Whether they're trying to do realistic fire or in this case, sort of a, a supernatural, um, kind of, um, you know, human emanated fire superpower. And so, you know, the, the design aesthetic and, and the, the opportunity to do something that maybe is slightly different, maybe it doesn't behave, uh, exactly like, you know, real fire. It's not like a flamethrower. It doesn't have all the same flame licks. Maybe it has more of this kind of, you know, energy quality to it and you know it worked like for for what it needed to be what it needed to do and it and it worked with you know the the within the context of the character in the story too because it was that you know he was sort of um had all this <laughs> you know deep uh, anger and sort of rage in him that was uh, boiling over you know so i think thematically it works in the context of the character but i i mean i thought it was it wasn't anything that um you know for my money like it's not uh it didn't blow my mind. Like I wasn't like, well, I've never seen anything quite like that, but it was like, you know, it served the story and I thought it looked good. Like it was, it was clean. Um, but it wasn't, um, 
and maybe part of it too is that because it is fire connected in some way to fire like it's just we've seen so much of that uh for so long but it, yeah. it, but, it but it was cool it was it was definitely um it was more than proficient uh it was well executed well done um you know no fault of the vfx team or the vfx artists in any way it was like you know just from a design standpoint it just wasn't as dynamic or exciting maybe as uh some like other effects ball. yeah like you know what i mean like almost it had uh it had, if you were to look at it in stages, it had, you know, his hands got super hot. Then there was like a gap of, you could say, like hot pressure and then like a force, at least in my mind. It was a fast kind of thing. It wasn't like you said, Matt, uh, I'm agreeing with you. It wasn't like a, he was shooting like a flamethrower from his hand. It was more like yeah. super hot, uh, like, like a plasma. pressure explosion, like a, or yeah. like a gas, it felt like a gas ball almost like, you know, you mm-hmm. have that big push of compressed air and then the fire in front of it. Yeah. Like maybe I, think I, of I, uh, Drew Barrymore in Firestarter <laughs> or something. You know? I would have actually loved to have seen him have uh Vietnam era style flamethrower hands. Like I actually think that would yeah, have been be cooler cool. if it actually looked like, you know, that kind of like real flamethrower goes out and it's, you know, bits that yeah, almost like in the fall, thing, you know, you know it's, it's like, like liquid, really yeah. solid, um, like, very tactile, very physically present in the room. I mean, he could still torch the, I guess that doesn't explain him destroying huge amounts of stuff in the future. So I'm guessing that's why we went this way. You had to have something that would scale as yeah. he yeah. got more proficient. But in the present day, I just sort of been a lot more sort of threatening to have this literal kind of hose of fire that yeah. would swing with the dynamics of the real physics. Like, you know, like if you move your yeah, arm, yeah. the stuff that's like already left. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But without being a lasso that you could control. And right, that yeah. would be like shooting from the hip like that with two flamethrowers, but they're just your arms coming out the sleeves would have been <laughs> I mean, he really threat. Yeah. Well, he could have uh he could they could have done that and still maintained this like, you know, have different levels of power. You know, you have like your flamethrower, you have a pressure ball, whatever. And then you My thing is palm his, or... his 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 sleeves never caught on fire. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, yep. Flame retardant. And obviously, <laughs> no, no contact burns or no sort of face, no kind of hair on light. Yeah, no. That, well, the, he wouldn't the logic, have that, but you know, I guess unless only his arms are, you know, whatever. But yeah, his body is immune. I mean, like you know, the the whacked out logic. Somebody had, by the way, I think it was you, Matt, who sent me. A thing on uh, physics, if superheroes obeyed physics. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I, I saw that and death. thought it was like, that was, that I was just like, oh, I got to send that to Mike. <laughs> and, and for those of you who haven't read it, it has this terrific bit about what hurts you when you jump off a building and plummet to your death isn't <laughs> that it, you come in contact with concrete, it's that you decelerate really quickly. If Superman flies up in the opposite direction and grabs you mid sort of fall, it would be twice as bad as hitting concrete, right? Because you're not only decelerating, yeah. but you're reversing <laughs> yeah. direction. You'd break everybody and you you know, sort of twice as much as hitting the flat concrete. Um, Liquify. Yeah. So this whole idea that you would, you know, be able to be picked up while plummeting at terminal velocity towards a concrete <laughs> thing by somebody swooping in and grabbing you from the side at, you know, Mark II speeds, that this wouldn't crack every bone in your spine. That's before we get to the problems of the pendulum swinging that we've gone into in the past and just about everything else. Having said that, that gets us back to this fight <laughs> sequence at the end, right? Because I felt 
that was also the case with Juggernaut and that fight sequence. There was a couple of people in the background that kind of flew in. They just had mm-hmm. all the wrong physics. And I'm yeah. sorry, but I know that we break the laws of reality for a superhero film and doubly so for a comic superhero film. Yeah. But if it just looks fake, it looks fake. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, you know, if you were going to do it like that and and have it look the way it did, you ha- you almost have to make a joke about it or you have to try to make it look more real, you know? Like you could excuse it if you made it into like a gag. I mean, maybe that's the comic space to be explored by whatever wants to out Deadpool Deadpool, which is to actually have superheroes that try doing these things and kill everybody in the process because, (laughs) you know, the reality. I mean, I think I've said in this past, one of my favorite jokes in Red Dwarf ever, uh, Red Dwarf in space in the future lost millions of miles from home and they get a device that'll let them travel back in time and they press the button and there's this huge, you know, fanfare about the fact that this is finally going to get them home and the whole effect finishes and they look out the window and they're like, we're still in space. And one of them goes, yeah, well, of course, we've traveled through time, not through space. We're still millions of miles from home. We're just now millions of miles from home in the future and no longer in the future. And it's like, like that's really funny to me. And also just because it's so true, it's like, well, yeah, it's they're like they look at each other and they go, so this does nothing. Well, no, we can go backwards and forwards in time. It just doesn't make any difference. And it's like, right, okay, great. We can be lost in space a thousand years ago or 10,000 years ago. Um, and so... I just feel like you could maybe mine that for some good comic stuff because sure. there must be a whole class of visual effects artists out there who just go to reviews and go, well, <clears throat> if the very large creature moved this fast, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, which is why I just cannot watch, uh, what is that new one, um, Pacific Rim 2? Oh, oh, I haven't yeah. seen two. The guys inside the, the, the spaceship are like punching with the dynamics of a person yeah. standing at six foot tall. And the thing outside is punching with the dynamics of the thing that's, you know, like you'd be so slow inside to match the movement of the huge thing outside um, that it's, yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, well, that's, yeah. like my arm. that's like criticizing a 10 speed though. No. Look, I'm moving huh? my feet really fast, but I'm not going anywhere. Well, no. Yeah, relative gear you, ratios. You, you, and if things. you're trying to punch, well, yeah, but that's different, right? Because in the 10 speed, <laughs> you get about 20 pedals in for the thing to turn once. <laughs> but that disconnect is obvious, right? In this one, the guy moves his arm three feet and the giant robot moves his arm three kilometers. But the three kilometer move is as fast as the two feet move inside the inside the suit. Anyway, Listen, I, I digress. Giant robots punching kaiju should not be criticized. The plot should be criticized heavily, but the visuals, I like giant robots. I haven't seen that one, but the only the only redeeming quality of the first one was the the big robot walking through uh, San Francisco the Bay water. at night? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just that, right? In Godzilla, the the tail was swinging at at yeah, uh, yeah. like supersonic supersonic sounds, yeah. yeah. And and then it decelerates in a way that would liquefy all human matter, uh, or not human <laughs> matter, but like you know biochemical matter. I'm telling you, man, um, there's this there's a blacklist screenplay in here somewhere that uh, oh yeah, it's all yeah, totally. physics yeah. based. Every uh, visual effects, just like yeah, literally every shot is just <laughs> everything. Yeah. We're gonna do that. It's the okay. like most yeah. nihilistic movie ever made. And yeah. Can we add two copyright. other things into it? Can copyright we add one right that you now. Can actually on, kill on people when you can't yeah. see them. 
So in other words, if you're in space, you don't actually have to eyeline them to be able to kill them. You can actually send a, some kind of targeting device that's remote, like, oh, I don't know, we can do right now. <laughs> you know, like you don't have to. And also, can we just have laser fires that are lasers that don't actually take four frames to go across screen? That would be nice. <laughs> you just wouldn't see it, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but of course you wouldn't see it. Um, gentlemen, I will have to step off the podcast. It's been terrific. Matt, I'm going to hand it over to you if that's all right. Sure. Thank you, guys. I will catch you on the next one. All right. right. Thanks, Mike. Be good, Mike. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know what else uh, we would have actually to talk about on this one at this stage. I think yeah. we've gotten pretty much through uh, most of the film. I think overall, it sounds like we were all in agreement. Like we all, uh, I think, enjoyed this movie. It had a great, uh, good time uh, mm-hmm. watching it. And uh, overall, I think the effects were were pretty solid. Um, I'm going to bring up... Talking- Oh, yeah. I'm going to bring Sorry. up a movie. Just I'm going to recommend a movie based on an article I just read that we have to do that we would not normally do as a as a on a uh, VFX show. Cool, and What's that, that is, and I think the trailers for, was before this movie for the movie Tag. Oh yeah, comedy. Do you uh-huh. know what ended up happening in that movie? It doesn't like. There's something about Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner broke both his arms four days into filming that movie, and his. Both of his arms in the entire movie are CG. He, yeah, wore, <laughs> he wore green screen casts for the whole movie. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that we'll have to check out for <laughs> sure. I mean, it looks like it could be pretty funny too. Yeah. No, I totally. I forget who it was. Somebody in the movie uh, said, you know, Jeremy Renner's been in the Bourne movies and the uh, – you know all the Avengers <laughs> movies, and he never got hurt. And he makes this stupid movie about tag, and he Playing breaks tag. both of his arms. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, um, and well, we probably shouldn't go into it. I just have to ask: Did you see Solo? Um, no, I'm going to see it on Monday. Okay, I've been traveling so much, and I every time I'm, I was in Denver, I was in Seattle, I was back in Seattle, uh, or rather Denver. I'm going back to Seattle next week or the following week. So it's like uh, I, I keep say, I'm, thinking I'm just, that I'm going to have time to see it when I'm away. I'm, like, but yeah, I'm super curious to hear uh, your take on it. I don't know; it'd be yeah. interesting to. I will. Uh, um, have no pre preconceptions. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we could we could just uh, wrap this one up. So, um, sure, Jason, where can people find out more about the Jason Diamond? Uh thediamondbros.com Jason Diamond on Facebook uh, Jason Diamond on Twitter Jason Diamond on Instagram pretty much I think I might have scooped all the other Jason Diamonds uh, <laughs> I do get some of their links and things sent to me sometimes in error but uh, yeah <laughs> yeah like I, the, uh, I, there's one uh, another Matt Wallen who's a uh, or he's probably not any longer but for years there was a, a I guess a pretty um, successful high school wrestler Named oh. Matt Wallen, and I always thought that was kind of cool. So I could tell people that you know they better not mess with me, or I'll I'll pin them to the mat. Yeah. Um, was his tag tag uh, or his signature move another brick in the Wallen? <laughs> and he just slammed you into the ground like a. Oh, like that's a rough, dude. That's tough. 
All right. Well, um, listen, guys, thanks a lot uh, for uh, listening. And um, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, as always, too, if you do uh, have any comments, feedback, suggestions, um, you know, shows that you'd like us to do, retro shows you might want us to um, look into and talk about, um, we love to hear from you guys. Any feedback is always welcome. Um, and it's always fun to see, you know, kind of just what people are thinking about for sure. So, um, don't hesitate to, uh, you know, send us a, a tweet or uh, post something up on the FX guide, uh, comment section in there. Um, and I think in the coming weeks we've been talking about maybe, uh, hopefully going to do a show on uh, solo. And I know Mike and I have been talking about doing, um, uh, once the second season of Westworld wraps up, going back to, uh, to that universe and talking about that. Oh, so that's something that, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, interesting second season but um uh but yeah other than that i think uh that'll do it for this week um yeah so for uh fx guide for uh mike who had to step out for jason and myself um thanks to all you guys for listening and uh we'll see you next time if you have any questions or comments please email us at vfx at fxguide.com copyright fx guide llc